Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. Please imagine this month that you can hear the sound of a brass band playing something patriotic in the background, and we are decked out with bunting and appropriate primary colours, because we're going to talk about politics, uh, both the uh, razzmatazz of the election trail and the gritty, nasty deals done in back rooms. We may even expose you to some of our political opinions, you poor, poor, long-suffering people. What started us off on the this particular episode was uh, one of our journeys back from our regular board gaming session at uh, Thursday Meeples in Oxford. And we got to chatting about the current American political hoopla. Is that the polite, polite term? I think the polite term is primary season. Yeah. Um, they, and the extraordinary and peculiar um, saga of what's going on over there. Um, not to uh, reflect on current personalities. We might do that later. But it seems a very extraordinary and extended um procedure, especially to those of us who are more used to these things going on behind closed doors and um, in, in private amongst consenting political adults. Well, until lately, we, we have had uh, sufficiently variable election dates that there, there was not there was only a short campaigning season oh. of a month or two. Now, with the election date fixed, we are going to have about a year of it and every a, time. Oh, God, yes. <clears throat> we're, we're, neither of us are deeply in favour of this, I think it's fair to say. And we have another... Oh, Four months of, of, of bloviating, that's a lovely word, um, from H.L. Uh, Mencken, bloviating from the political classes over Europe. Mm -hmm. Oh, joy. But never mind. Well, the, the thing is that it struck us that maybe um, there was a game to be got out of the whole American political process. Now, there have been several games, board games mostly. Yep. Uh, 1960, the making of a president. I may have that year wrong. Yep. Um, and the... Uh, and the, the, I think there are generic race to the White House sort sorts of games, but thinking about it, structurally, whether it's a board game or a role playing game or a, a or a LARP or something like that, and we will we'll just talk about what's best here in a moment. Um, the problem is, it's a game of two halves, isn't it, Ron? Um, you've got first of all, you've got the peculiar setup of the uh, of the primary season, which um, lots of people. Lots and lots of people on the Republican side this year throw their hats into the ring, and then on the other, and then you have two people bashing it out with maybe a third party trying to spoil it. Um, Not significantly since the sixties. Well, no, but uh, you can you can always hope for a little amusement. Um, the uh, 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 and the whole thing is is uh, is is two separate, entirely separate mechanics. And I wondered if there's a way to combine that into one game? I think that, broadly speaking, well, first of all, one has to look at how, how, the, how this is set up. Yeah. Uh, in, in a board game, it's, it's relatively easy to say, right, player, players are competing. So each player is either the individual candidate or the management team behind the individual candidate, but basically yeah. they are competing with each other and one of them is going to win. Yeah, that's... That, uh, but then you can only do the first half of the game. One of you people get, one of your lucky people gets to be the, the man behind the, the throne. I think it's best to be the man behind the throne <laughs> rather, than the, rather than the idiot on the throne because then you've got things like our candidate has just done, said, done or said something stupid. Um, we must, we must cover this up as a, as a game mechanic. The, or explain it, or say, yes, that's what he meant to do in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I, I think the thing to do would be to say that the election itself in, in this model is a different game. Well, actually, I was thinking of a may, maybe a way of doing of doing that that differently. Make this a competitive, cooperative game. Your powers behind the throne in on the on uh, in each of the two parties, and you want to you have a favoured candidate in the first phase, and you who you want to get up to the line. But then you all buckle down because that's a sensible thing to do and support the candidate of your party. Mm. And the aim of the game is not only to get your person to win in the in the presidential election, 
make it look as if it was your responsibility. Yeah, well, actually, work your way up so that you get the be- best job yep. in, uh, in the in the new administration, with the top prize, of course, being chief of staff at the White House, because you're so clever, the the president doesn't trust you out of his sight. Hmm. The the thing that occurred to me from a specifically role playing point of view, members of an individual candidate's support team. Yeah. Which is which is your second model, really? Yeah, but it, but it could work in the, in the primary version as well. You know, the, the the actual campaign manager, the um, director of finance, the the one who actually goes out and gets people stirred up. Have you want to do this? Yeah. And the, we we talked last month about ViewScreen, but there is a ViewScreen variant for this. Go on. Uh, where you've got you know, communications, finance, campaign, and something else I can't now remember. Yeah, are all locked in tiny rooms, desperately um, afraid of afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I, I think the basic model for this is a series of challenges, yeah. probably set by in, in a role playing context set by the GM. Yeah, um, which looks a lot like your standard mission based game. You know, um, the 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 classic government agents. Model after the X Files, which I think a lot of people play some variant mm-hmm. of. You know, something weird has been found in place X. Go and investigate and deal with it. That, that is your job for this week. Yeah. Um, so that could certainly be done, but I think at least some of the reason why this sort of thing makes an interesting narrative to us as outsiders is that there is a narrative to it. It's not just candidate X has said something stupid, candidate Y has said something smart. It's that. People remember what they did three three weeks ago, and that feeds into what they do now. And how, how you would link those missions together is a bit more of a challenge. Mm. It depends how abstracted you want this to, uh, that you want this to be. The, if it's when it's a role playing game, it has to be upfront and personal, and the the, the small details have to have to ma- have to matter. Uh, the precise age of the and, and appearance of the young lady who has been found in the candidates um, uh, candidate suite. The grit and, and unpleasantness of being on the road for years at a time, sometimes, mm-hmm. and the eruption of strange people, that's all very important. But when you're doing it as an abstracted sort of thing, whether it's um, a board game or a LARP, then you've got abstract measures. You've got worries from particular groups of, um, of, um, uh, of, uh, of citizens, uh, the elderly, uh, um, the elderly, the, the young, the uh, the poor, the rich, all of them being tugged one way or, or another, and it becomes a easily becomes a very statistical and abstracted sort of a game. Yeah, that that's the thing where I'd, I'd look at look at it more in board game terms, I think, hmm. um, because otherwise, yeah, if if you try to put that sort of thing into a role playing, it's if effectively the players do something, the GM says, okay, that has had an effect. Yeah. Uh, the the GM may well have some sort of system for influence points plus and minus, but probably the players aren't going to be directly interacting with that. Yeah, and it's it's going to feel a bit arbitrary if one's not careful. I think one thing that would help, I think, would be to let the let the player characters initiate their own actions rather than just we're responding to the crisis. Yeah, it's okay. What what can we do to make our guy look better or make the other guy look worse or whatever? Let let them. Um, Which means you need a much an even stronger. Uh, model, um, whether it's mathematical or, or narrative. You need some way of keeping score, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the trouble is, this is one of those, even more than economics, this is one of the, those fields where nobody really knows. Nobody has fixed proofs, No, nobody has exact ideas except afterwards. If there were a reliable method for winning an election, yeah, quite. people would be using it. Maybe they are. Actually, that leads into another sort of role-playing game, which leads into the the Illuminati and the secrets behind, and, and everything's just a... But, hey, do you know more... You probably do know more about um, GURP's social engineering there than I do. Does that help at all? It has some things to say, um, but I'll come back to that. Uh, it, it's mostly about persuading people to do things. Yeah. and On the, on the individual level. Yeah, and to a certain extent of persuading an organisation to help you. And that, yeah. that's where it starts touching on this sort of mm. thing. Yeah, there, there are stats for but organizations it, but it is basically, GURPS, but I'm not quite sure the system is, is solid. Well, that's, that's fine. Um, the thing is, it's, it's still basically character-focused. It's saying, right, I am a very persuasive guy first. Mm. 
and I have this bribery or this thing to offer or whatever as yeah. a secondary. And I'm not sure that's the way to do it, but uh, specific to the US, um, I think the, the thing that makes the American system odd from our point of view is this two-stage nature to it. Yeah. And how would you, how would you bridge that in a role-playing game? And it could, could be the, the approach you've taken here. We, we, we were all campaign managers for the individual candidate first. Yeah. But now we're all we're all on one team. Um, the thing is, we do have the same two stage um, thing in this country. But traditionally, uh, until very recently, it's been purely um, an inter. It's still an inter purely internal matter for the uh, yeah uh, we, for the parties because you, you when you register to vote, you don't declare a party affiliation. That is the key difference. Yeah. Uh, well, and that the uh, the the party machines. Use the, uh, the 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 power of the states to uh, to hold these ridiculous. Excuse me, my prejudices may be bubbling up to the surface. No, I, I think a specific difference is, is the idea that almost every American voter, and there are exceptions, you don't have to do this, but most of them have declared a party affiliation and can vote in their state's primary for their presidential candidate. In some places, they you can vote uh, you can vote for one primary no matter how. Uh, you've, you've registered. Which Where, is whereas in the UK, it's pretty much only party members, and most people don't bother to join a party at all. Yeah. Um, so, so we don't have that sense of involvement, even even if in theory we could make a difference, because in practice it never happens anyway. Yeah, and uh, it's and there's the choice of part of that, I suspect, is a reaction to the smoke-filled rooms thing um, of uh, earlier earlier stages of. Uh, of, of, of the earlier iterations of the of this system, um, I was listening to Ken and Robin um, talk about this last week, and we had this idea before we we heard Ken and Robin talking about. No, I this. haven't had I haven't heard the podcast yet. So. Oh, well, um, and according to Ken, the the current, at least on the uh, current system, only goes back as far as 1972, and uh, before that. I suspect it came, the, revo the, the, the revisions came about because of the care with which the Southern uh, Democratic uh, parties were uh, taking to exclude anybody of a different coloration uh, from their considerations. But mm -hmm. um, and then Nixon said, "Aha, we can get votes here." Yeah, well, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's another part of the same same shameful narrative. It must be said. But going back to this as a game, what sort of thing? Whether you're doing, um, what sort of interesting thing do you get to do in this game? What sort of challenges do you, whether it, what, no matter on what level it's at, what sort of challenges do you throw in their path? That, I think, is for our next segment. Shall we, shall we move on? All right, let's trundle on. So the thing that occurred to me when we were talking about this is what level are the PCs acting on? Mm. Because if they're if they are basically the pawns of one faction or another, then it's going to look a lot like another mission-based game. You know, your your shadowy yeah. masters say, "Go and do this." Where it may make a bit more sense is that the GM knows which factions are fighting with which other factions, mm -hmm. what they're trying to achieve from each other, and that that in itself generates adventures. So, you know, the, the PC is told, go, go and um, mm. burgle this hotel room. And not only does the GM know why they're doing that, he'll know what happens as a result of it if they succeed or fail. Yeah, you need a sense of consequences in, in, in anything that, that you do. I found, I'm going to talk about more about rain in a moment, if I can. I found when I was running my one extended rain campaign that's uh that's r e i g n greg Stolze. effectively the i had to have two sets of characters i had to have the people who were on the reigning council of the the city who were the faction leaders the big cheeses mm. and i had to have um the minions who actually went out and uh, did the things that arose out of council decisions yeah because it starts to break suspension of disbelief if the council leader is going out and doing his own assassinations, even if he's a really nifty assassin. Well, what it ended up with was each mission had one council member along, and 
everybody had two characters and one person played their council member mm. and uh, and everybody else was assigned minions who were going out and assisting on this particular council-led mission. Yeah, I think if you do have have the minions as a, as a baseline, one one improvement is that having multiple factions makes things more complicated. It's not just, you know, yeah. we are the rebels fighting against the Empire or we, we, are, we are the um, uncorrupted cops fighting against the Dark Nasties. Uh, it's... Okay, well, you know, this week we 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 are trying to curry favour with faction A, so we're going to have a go at faction B, and next week, well, okay, faction B made us a better offer, and so we're going to do something well, else. I, I think the way to do it, in order to get any sort of unity into the campaign, is you've got to have one unifying. You have to have one unifying um, group faction patron. Which gives the campaign its forward, its 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 focus on forward thrust. Yeah, but, but inside but, that, yeah, inside that, you can have um, the temples who want this, and the merchants who want that, and the wizards who want the other, and yeah. and, and indeed, you can have external factions that you want something from, but you need to buy their favour in some way. Yeah, I think my problem. All right, this is the point at which I come to my problem with rain. I think. I find it very good, but it lacks a system for um, generating the outside factions, to, for generating the web of interrelations in the entire world. Yeah. You just have to... You can model the, the other factions. They're gi you're given outlines of how they work, outlines of how strong they ought to be, but... Uh, it's not. It needed more guidance. I found for um, uh, for putting the world together. I feel, in a way, the world creation should be a collective thing done by the GM and players and throwing things yeah. in as a, as an as an initial setup. I want there to be an enemy like this. I want there to be a, a neighbour like that. I think if we're not doing this, there should be another group out there that does. That it struck me, one of my long-term projects. Uh -huh. You know, one of the, those long-term projects that I'm never mm. going to get around to um, is to write a June-like, um, not June itself, because there are treatments for June, even one for rain. Um, a June-like setting, a space opera setting, a a space empire and houses setting for rain, and. It struck me that I needed a system to do the generation of the whole background, or at least the major outlines, before I even started. And that seems to be lacking from, from Rain. And the task of setting that up is perhaps the most important thing that you do before the, the game starts. And I think it is something that you do have to do to some extent before the game starts. You, you, it, it's quite hard to add a faction once things have started and say, no, "Oh well, well they, they were always involved," but they yeah. just, you just don't seem to happen to run into them before now. Um, yeah, ha having to generate everything is definitely the hard bit here. Um, GURPS organisations will actually go some way towards this. It's not so much here as an organisation as playable character, which a couple of games have tried, but it is at least. Here is how you work out you know, when you are meeting somebody who works for these guys. Roughly, how wealthy is he? Roughly, what sort of gear does he have access to? Yeah, um, that sort of thing. Well, a grain of, of rain, the grain, <laughs> the grain of rain grows mainly in Spain. Um, the, <laughs> the grain of rain is is fairly coarse and and chunky, um, and there's a there's a good there, and and that's that it, and that scale isn't the problem. It's the it's finding the way. It's finding the way forward. There are things like um, I seem to recall some sort of system like this in Burning Empires, um, where you had a sort of collaborative setup of things. But it, it, but like many indie games, it does it by narrowing down the the possibilities and narrowing down the focus and saying here are a few things that you can choose yeah. among. The thing that does occur to me a lot with this is. When you're dealing with, say, you've you've got the PCs in one faction and some of them are in charge of it, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. trying to get involved with the actual dealings with other factions, because that's certainly a thing we ought to be able to do in yeah. games. Um, how do you adjudicate those things? Because role-playing games have a fair amount about 
how persuasive you are, how diplomatic you are, mm. how good you are at bribing people, whatever, it depends on the game. But they're all basically dealing with the immediate situation. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to let me through this door? Um, yeah. Fast talk rather than diplomacy. And it seems to me that when you're dealing with factional politics, what you actually want is not so much the persuasive guy, but something you can offer. Yeah. Because, you know, l l let's say your, your PC charisma monster says to the uppity nobles who are rebelling, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. Mm. And their negotiator says, gosh, you are very charismatic, I agree with you, absolutely, and goes back to them. They will say, well, so what? We're not impressed. Yeah. What what did you get for us? Mm. What, what you need is some sort of horse trading, some, some way of saying, okay, I've got this concession I'm prepared to make. Mm. It's worth this much to me. I don't know how much it's worth to the other guy. But I, but I want a skill that tells me how much it is worth to the other guy, and then I can try to spin that to make it sound better than it is, or whatever, by the conventional methods. Mm. But some, some sort of actual negotiation in the sense of I'm exchanging a thing of value for your thing of value. Yeah. I don't know how you can do that. It's, it, it's not the sort of thing you can do as an abstracted skill. You can say, my character knows all about sorcery. Uh, or knows all about literature, or knows all about thirteenth um, uh, century armor, and that's abstracts fairly well. But the to actually get into the other person's shoes, to actually look at it from their point of view and understand their point of view, act, requires actual empathy. And I'm not sure this is a thing that all players have in equal measures. No, but it's a thing that characters can have. Yeah, but that's unsatisfying factory in so many ways. Yeah, so, so, some sort of mechanical way of saying, I want to work out what this guy wants, what he cares more about, what he cares less about. Um, yeah. I, I think would be... Psycho more, well, psychology is a skill. Um, I think this would be the way to stop this. Yeah, then you I, say, okay, here is, here is, as a result of that, I'm going to set up my negotiating position thus. I think... Uh, I, well, I have had an actual work, worked example of this recently. Um, um, my current Wednesday night game is a is a Return of Magic game set in the 17th century, in which um, Isaac Newton, who is now dead officially in the game, has he um, noticed? Uh, yes, yes, he no he noticed when it was done uh, when it was done to him. However, hmm. let's not go to the fine details. The um, <sighs> The 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 magic was spread across um, England and nearby parts of Europe, and gifted to thirty six individuals who eventually came together in a um, great conference, with the English faction being led by the uh, the King's spy master and the Duke of Monmouth, mm -hmm. the French faction being led by King Louis the um, uh, King Louis Louis Fourteenth, who is um, who has the the the, ma the magical name, which means, amongst other things, oppression for its own sake, hmm. um, and a faction of the Dutch and a few independents, and they all came together with various groups. The thirty-six people who are, who had immense amounts of power, six of them being player characters, and I had to juggle what was going on and what people were wanting. Yeah, it was. Eventually, they 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 worked out a an equivalent to the oath of Hermes, which is what uh, what sparked at this out. But we had to people had to make offers and counter offers. I'm not sure I showed the player characters quite how to do it. They did come up with some stuff of their own every time. I turn to the player characters and I say, "What do you say? What is your idea? How should this be solved?" I had the feeling I'd thrown them in the deep end. Yeah, as GM, you need to be able to say not only how is NPC X going to react to this offer, yeah, but also what offer is he going to make? King Louis was surprisingly reasonable, but there are uh, there are problems. I didn't do it deliberately. I don't think I did it deliberately, but there are problems and tra booby traps in the web of negotiations and agreements. Everybody's full of good fellowship and sharing information at the moment, but there's mm. going to be problems later on. But it, it, psychology was part of what, what I allowed the player characters to use. What do you think he, he feels this about it? You think 
who feels that. I didn't want to, it would have been too easy for me to force my ideas of yeah. how it should have turned out onto the player characters. I'm still not entirely happy that I, uh, 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 that I didn't do that too much. But on the other hand, it was very hard to get the players to say, speak up for what you believe in. Get excited about what how you think th this should mm -hmm. go. They were full of, well, that won't work. We can't possibly do that. Hmm. But uh, eerie modern cynics that they are. But they were less full of idealism. And that would, that's a problem. I think you need, if you're going to play, no matter how cynical, how nasty the game gets, I think if you're going to play politically focused games, you need characters and ideally players who give a good goddamn, who feel that there is something mm. important to be worked for here. In game design terms, that would suggest that, or game setup terms, I should say, yeah. you should have at least one negotiating point that people feel, or at least one player character, probably different ones with different player characters, feel really strongly about it. We we must have this. Yeah. Um. And then they they are going to be trying to persuade persuade everybody else to compromise on the things they don't care as much about. Mm -hmm. The uh... and, and feeling that out could could give you something of the feel. I mean, what, what are we trying to achieve here? It, it's it's not just generic politics. We want something interesting happening. Yeah, quite. We want what we want. I, I I've come to the conclusion is a a setup that allows us to go on with the next adventure and have interesting things happen after the conference, after the election, after the uh, after the issue has been resolved, but doesn't lead to uh, a suicide pact. That was my problem with the Order of Hermes, with the the, the way it was written felt stupid and felt like a suicide pact. Expand? Oh, the... The thing that I had most problems with with the Order of Fermi's was this the, is Ars Magica. Ars Magica, yeah, was uh, was the fact that the Order was separate from uh, the mundanes, separate from the people who um, uh, who were the vast majority of humankind, and said we we won't interfere, we won't interfere, we'll keep ourselves out of all this, and because human population grows and. Of course, the wilderness where they're, and, and distant places where they've been hiding gets more and more crowded out by the power of God coming along with the, uh, with the worshippers. Mm. Eventually, this was a suicide pact. Whereas I've set up the Return of Magic game that raw magic is terrible and makes you want, makes you want to kill the person using it. But I gave the player characters the chance to discover a way to correct that. But there'll still be the tendency to say these people are of the devil. We must kill them all now. Yeah. And the and the the magicians are working slowly to try and figure out a way to make themselves a place in the world. It seems to me what what you're aiming for there is some something in between magicians get used as strategic weapons because presumably they don't want that. Yeah. And magicians are just often often nowhere not not being used for anything. Well, what were is got written into their oath. Um, I shall not use magic um, in the service of war, except as the council permits. Have you read Zen Cho's Sorcerer to the Crown? I'm reading it now. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, and that that is going to be that sets it up for future faction fights, because one of the things they, that was set, said in the conference was, yes, but there are some wars worth fighting. How, and how do you determine whether the council permits something? Does it have to be all thirty-six of them agreeing, or there is a there or? is a there is provision for a supermajority to be required? <laughs> but there, there, but most things go through on a go through on a simple majority. So that yeah. will be politics again. Yeah, and that that also points up how much you're going to spread politics out in time. Mm. You know, so, so there is the immediate crisis, and some somebody is saying, right, we we need to get council approval for big magical action for this particular thing. Yeah, this seems to be a single issue, but some people yeah, some people are going to say yes, that's a great idea. Some people are going to say no, I don't like it. Whatever. The interesting ones are the ones who say, well, I could be persuaded. <laughs> One of the council members is an evil bitch, um, a historical evil bitch called Le Voisin, who was, <laughs> um, 
who was a, 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 a as far as we can tell a gen genuine satanist um and uh, and uh, evil poisoner um, at the court of king louis and she is one of the ones blessed to a certain extent and she has written the right for, right to vengeance into the into the <laughs> oath so um uh, so i can look forward to fun when she finally decides to pull it mm. but um yeah setting but, it up but, for the but future for example what would it take to get her to say this war you have nothing to do with should get magical help to to end it quickly yeah it would take uh well she's she's certainly interested in money she's certainly interested in power and information and she's certainly interested in doing down at least one other member of the council yeah and that that starts to generate adventures and how how can we solve this problem yeah um unfortunately the player characters are working for the other member of the council who she hates <laughs> so it's all good it's all good but yeah this was I, I do tend to feel that a mage who, who cares about getting more money is not a very good mage but that may just be me uh, well, to be frank, she hasn't yet figured out how much money uh, the other members of the council are getting out of dredging uh, sunken ships out of the sea, and uh, going to old mines and uh, and refining the 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 tailings there. Um, they, however, be this as it may, um, she's more interested in power and making other people suffer. To be perfectly honest, be this as it may, my players were interested in this, but it. And it was central to the game for a while, but one of them did complain that after coming from his work, where he had had to attend many, many, many committees, I was making him sit on other committees during his um, mm. during his recreation time. I did say I was trying to make them slightly more entertaining committees, but yeah, if if you're having a long conference, I think that's probably unavoidable. It, is it does it work to split it up into segments of here is the bit of negotiation and the, and then take a break from the negotiating golf and do something else there were there were agendas there were side issues of personal um of personal matters that were other, some people were using to pressurize um but the conference were now it's it's broken up by the fact everything's been referred to subcommittees hmm. and um that's going to get complicated i'm not quite sure there's going to be a little dance around that but my point i think is that i had to go through um, and design each member of the 36 yep. um, as an individual and put out their, put them in a folder and say, this is their position on each of the things that have been put in the in the agenda. Mm -hmm. These are the things they're going to raise under any other business. These are their personal obsessions. And those had to be brought out. Some of them spark, spark talk. Some people's individual interests were overwhelmed by the need to get this thing sorted so King Louis can stop being hidden away. Hmm. But it worked well. Now, what is needed, I think, when you're designing any political uh, game is an ability to design the factions and to make the, um, make the pre-existing world um, real. Now, I've got, I've got a uh, added bonus here because I can, I can raid um, the uh, the genuine history and use yep. individuals uh, from that history, and uh, some of whom are quite are quite outrageous, but were real. Mm -hmm. uh, and but, if you put them in as invented characters, nobody'd believe you. Yeah, yeah. But um, I've got. It's a difficult and more. It's a more difficult thing to do if you are creating something, for a fictional setting. It's all right to say, well, I'll just file the, uh, the numbers off the off the. I'll just file the serial numbers off the Wars of the Roses, but I think that's been done. Just a bit, yeah. My my rule of thumb on this is, whatever historical thing I pinch, there will be a player who knows more about it than I do. Yeah, unicorn trouble, unicorn trouble. We, right. we've, we've talked about um, rain already. What sort of tools does rain give you for making politics work at all? You have a monthly time tick, and. Uh, in which the um, the big scale things get resolved over each month. At, in each month, your your uh, your faction has has so many resources in treasure, in influence, in military might that you can use in various ways set out, out in the rules, and in various other ways you could easily improvise. Mm -hmm. And on a monthly time tick 
your players get to say, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this first and then that. This is the important issue here, but we're also doing that. So as it might be, we've got this much influence, which we're going to chunk up into fact, into each ploys A, B and C. Yeah. Each time lights. you use um, a particular stat, it's reduced by one. Yeah. So you're more effective early on. Mm. And it's sometimes, and you get bonuses for what happens in adventures, for player character actions, for sneaking right. into the enemy camp and assassinating uh, uh, their, their commander, just to take the, the crudest possible example, mm -hmm. will give you a bonus to the next day's battle. The, the thing that is missing for me is non-player character, is some sort of mechanic for non-player character factions initiating things. Yes, it, it's it's all it can't be all about the players. So it's shades of the old the monster is waiting down the dungeon until you bash in the door and kill it. Yeah, quite. The, there should be a random political shenanigans generation table, hmm. which should be I don't know quite how how to express it. It's the antsiness. It's the aggression. It's the it shouldn't all come at once. So you got these guys who who are you know as it might be weak and subtle. Yeah, you've got those other guys who who have lot, lots of power, but they're very blunt in how they use it, so it's easy to counter. Yeah, that sort of thing. I think I think there's also there's also a matter of scale. If you're to take an, an example, which is also going through my mind, one of the minor houses in uh, the Dune setting, you are not on the same scale as a major house. Mm -hmm. You can do so much and you're competing mostly with the other minor houses but if one of the major houses takes an interest in you that can be very good or very bad yeah and there should be a chance of that maybe that's the sort of thing maybe something out of your scale coming in the same thing applies to the lesser clans in tecumel which is another setting which i feel should be uh, rainized at some as soon as mm. i find it convenient <laughs> It, it's one of the um, classic things for a personal story as well. You know, so somebody finds the crucial bit of information, mm. which means they are, they are not playing the I, I am a small town cop game anymore. They are playing the I'm deciding who gets to be in charge of the country game. Yeah, and they w are... without knowing what the pieces are. Yeah, and uh, without knowing who the strange people who are kicking in your door are. Yeah, quite. So I think a similar thing can work for politics. Though, though it, it might feel a bit forced, but it, again, the, the more things, as far as I'm concerned, as a truism, the more things can flow out of player character actions, the better. Yeah, but and I'm, I'm, I think I'm arguing the, uh, the 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 opposite that there should be a way for things to uh, things that there should be a requirement for things to come along to surprise. There should mm. be. The random political uh, wandering monster. Yeah, n not necessarily. Here is your problem of the week, though. But perhaps here is what that other faction is up to. You can ignore that, or you can counter it directly, or you can try to do something cunning with it. Yeah. The well, the the thing is that it's a web. It's always a web of interrelationship between people and between factions. Yeah. And sometimes. Player, uh, NPC factions should do things that have nothing to do directly with the player characters. Absolutely, yeah. But may or may not will, will disturb the web. Mm -hmm. Will change things all over, over the place. If you're faction A and you're fighting faction B, then that's fairly straightforward. You can you can carry forward your faction's um, plans and plots, and you expect faction B to be fighting you as well. But if over there a faction F attacks faction G, and faction G has an alliance with faction B and suddenly calls there, or with or with you with faction A and suddenly calls for resources and aid, and mm -hmm. it affects your situation, and that sort of thing should happen and should happen in the back background. We're we're allies, formal allies with Turkey and part, the, and part of the European Union and everything that's happening and the decisions we made in uh, going to war in Iraq have affected things in Syria which are affecting things in Turkey which are affecting things in the European Union and it all webs together mm. and you don't always see the e end of it. The GM should be able to say, ah, 
look there. The one time I've tried doing anything seriously political in this way was my Atlantis game. Go on. Lost Days of Atlantis. Um, it was originally planned to be a blend of political stuff at home yeah. and fighting stop-motion animated monsters on remote islands. Fair enough. Neither of these things really happened that much. <laughs> Look, looking at the political side specifically, I, I had, I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes, a terribly complicated diagram with, with, with all the major factions and how, how they feel about each other and whom they influence. You know, A, a is a friend of B. Um, B. B has military command over C, so when A's faction tells him to do something, he can sort of influence C, but it's at a long distance. Yeah. And so on. But in practice, what this mostly came out as was either the PC's patron is being attacked yeah. or something incomprehensible has happened. And it, it was making that link, try, trying to get, get the players... You know, I'm, I'm not blaming the players. I, I may well have done, done a bad job of this, but I, I didn't feel I was ever really presenting the political landscape as something that could be engaged mm. with. Again, the, there's the feeling... Again, I, I'm going to call for the, for a necessity for the necessity of idealism. F faction B and C could be the the church which your character was employed by patron A, and is 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 primarily loyal to him. It could be the 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 church the, which the to which your um, player character goes off every week and and hears the the righteous way um, explain explained to him and. And feels is a necessary part of her for his existence, and and that should that sort of thing should echo through the uh, through the whole uh, through through the whole campaign. Yeah. People should not just have one political lo loyalty on oh. which they're willing to sacrifice yeah. everything else. Well, this was the thing that there were conflicting webs, but even when the player character's patron was pulled in two directions, that wasn't a thing she necessarily shared with them. Because that was her feeling. Oh dear, I've I've given my word to too many people. I've, I've I've made a mistake here. Not something she would share with her retainers. Yeah, well, that was a design flaw. Yes. And uh, but what I'm talking do, do not do what I did. Yeah, well, I, what I'm talking about is um, is if your patron says do this thing and you have grounds to say actually that is an abomination by my religion. I will not do it. That makes for interesting yep. role playing and for interesting. Conflict resolution. Another one that I, where politics comes into it a bit, but again, not really on a player character level, is Reign of Steel. Uh, you've got yeah. seventeen AIs that have divided up the world between them yeah. after killing off most of the humans. Now they have politics, um, and and the book goes into some some information on this. It's not in extreme detail, but it's basically that there are I, th I think four or five different things that they, that they take positions on, you know, yeah. should we be making more AIs or should we stick with the ones we have? Uh, should we be expanding into space or should we be concentrating on Earth? That sort of thing. Um, and this in itself generates alignments that can shift because you know, if, if, the, if what's going on is something that's related to making of new AIs, yeah. then they will sort out into pro and anti fairly cleanly. If it then turns out to be related to something else, as it might be expansion into space, that then some of those alignment alliances will fracture. Yeah, but the problem with this, as an example, is that your player characters tend to be human beings. Yeah, this, this is way removed from the player character level. I mean, one of the things that's mentioned in Reign of Steel is that you you could have a game with with the players as the AIs. That would be actually quite interesting. It would, but it would be fundamentally a resource management game. True. I'd like to run it sometime, but it would look very unlike I think it would most role-playing games. I think it would be more like a board game than, um, than, than anything else. Yeah, though personalities do still matter. Mm. We've, talked about, um, we've talked about board games and we've talked about uh, role-playing games. There is another level, which I think is the native home for a political gaming, and that's the LARP... Um, or, or whatever, freeform or whatever we're calling it at this moment in time. Yeah, in, in part because it's much more difficult to have your basic fights and sneaks and things that most role-playing games thrive on. True, um, but it's it's a it's a place for using influence and getting together and persuading people that, yes, you have something in common 
despite what 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 our followers may may feel about each other i'm sure mm. there is something we we can do about about this there's there's money and other tokens of power to be exchanged there's arrangements to to be made and um and personal egos to be be fed and this is where i think the best um the best role playing of political factions comes comes in it's time bound for one yep. thing and that make, make, makes an, an, an enormous difference. No, oh, we, we talked last time that it's going to be you know, the, the week's conference or whatever is the, is the setting for the yeah. game. And you have so, the, so you don't have the whole okay, but what? But in six months' time, I'm going to ask you for a favour. Yeah, to quite the same extent. Except that, yeah, you you, you want to come out at the end of the the conference with your side being clearly able to say that um that we have achieved this this and this and the others have been trampled in the dust yeah um but you want it to happen the resolution to happen at the very last moment and that is a, that is a problem um with uh, with role playing politics that politics is always business as usual or should be as much as possible, it's what we do, mm. and it's, business as usual is not exciting fodder for role playing. No, it's what politics is what we do to avoid having to kill each other, mm. and often, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, in role playing games, the politics lasts until we can get to the violence. Certainly, in what one called the Wild West strain in role playing game mm. thought, there's an awful lot of. Let let us quite literally cut through all this crap, yeah, and and hit people. Well, yeah, except that if you're doing it on this scale, you want to be able to raise the, raise an army and get it equipped and supplied and in position. Yeah, but, first. but solutions that feel simpler. Yeah. Um. So, okay, I, I think we we both have fairly atypical groups of players look, looked at in terms of role playing as a whole, because let's face it, role playing as a whole is more probably more than ninety percent still dungeon bashing. This is true. Um, then again, I think we have unusual listeners as well. Hello, listeners. We think you're unusual. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it is a thing. Some some players are simply going to say, "I'm not interested in this," mm. and I, I think it would be a thing that one sh one should raise up front when when talk, when setting up a campaign. Yeah. Um. Well, I have the the, the trick is the things that are interesting. I mean the. <laughs> If you're if you're running a political game and somebody manages to set up a profumo affair, mm -hmm. then as far as I'm concerned, that that is a good game, especially if the GM hadn't considered this possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the in the aftermath of my uh, my great magical peace conference, I do have two players who are spies and a bit thuggish. For I'm sorry, two player characters. <laughs> I say nothing about the character of my of my players. Um, but the, uh, the characters of my players are, are spies and a bit ruthless, if, if not thuggish, and they're going to have to be found th things to do. Fortunately, the machinations of other factions are going to allow them to do this. Unfortunately, this may lead to war. Fortunately, yeah. this may lead to war. That depends on who you are. Well, true, and where you're standing. I think what we've probably come down to in the end is, is balance is good. Yeah. Um, if if you've got player characters involved in the political things at all, they need to be able to start stuff, and they need to be able to look at what's going on elsewhere. Yeah. Which means there needs to be stuff going on elsewhere. When I've tried this sort of thing, I mean, Atlantis was the big example of it, but I think if I were going to do something similar again, and I probably will at some point, it would be not just list the factions and what they want, but also you know, what resources they have, what sort of thing they yeah. do um, in, in a fantasy setting. If one of the factions is the Guild of Assassins and it's now playing country level politics, it's going to reach for assassination because that's what it knows. Yeah, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, which in turn means when somebody else wants to blame something on the Guild of Assassins, yeah, and so on. That that it it it's the multiple levels I think that make things interesting rather than just somebody has done something bad, go and go and uh, slay them for it. Yeah, even rain, which is the most purely political um game that I that I know of isn't all about politics. I don't think you can have a campaign that is all about politics. There has to look the 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 most famous um 
a game for uh, for getting you involved in political factions. I think after Ask Magica um, was uh, was the White Wolf games, the Vampire mm. Masquerade, yeah. and the primary thing that's going on there is angst. I mean that that's what people mm. come along for. They want they want they want angst and romance and being cool. But the politics is is there as well. And Houses of the Bloody, as I I read it, is primarily intended to be about tragedy. I'm not entirely sure that role playing games are a good medium for tragedy, but that what but what it, John Wick wants. But there's if a lot it's of, what all the players want. Yeah. Well, I I do not have I do not I. This is going to sound cruel to John Wick, but I have not yet suffered from uh, a group which, all of which were that big, big a set of drama queens. Yeah, I'm, I'm just th- thinking the enduring popularity of Call of Cthulhu. Um, all right, people play it in different ways, but I, I think the fundamental Call of Cthulhu adventure is we only just win, and several of us are dead, and several more of us are mad, and, and one person managed to banish the whatever it was at the very last moment. That isn't tragedy. It's not tragedy, but the point is it's it's a different style from the we are getting bigger and tougher and more powerful every adventure. So the, there is there is room for that, but it's good, it can be to some extent a matter of finding out what the group wants hmm. and, and playing for what the available players want. Well, my problem with the, the idea of tragedy as, as the end state is that it's an individual thing. There are no collective tragedy. Tragedy is always about hmm. the bad decision of one person following his nature to his own destruction. At least that's that's the classical yeah. definition in, in Greek and Shakespearean tragedy. There if, is if no then that maybe there are collective tragedies, but I don't think so. If you want to get really cunning about it, you could do something like Gawain Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, where he knows he's he has been untrue to himself. Yeah. And everybody else is telling him, gosh, that was great. You're amazing. Mm, yeah, the same tragedy that uh, T. H. White gives um, gives Lancelot in the Once mm. and Future King. Mm, that's where he was stealing it from, of course. Uh, shall we move on? Yeah. Another way politics can come into games is the use of real-life politics. It probably helps if all the players have the same general opinions, because turning the game into an argument is just a waste of time. And a lot of things turn in, seem to turn into political arguments these days. Oh, come on. And Robin, this is very brave of you. This is very brave of you, Minister. It's very courageous. Well, obviously, there, there are some things we can all agree on, like um, oh, yeah. grinding up the children of the Irish poor to make food for the well-off and so on. Oh, no, and apart from that, that that's such... Uh, yeah, but people don't even agree about what democracy means. Um, we've had that for a while. I don't know if this is in... Can one do this? I... I have discovered recently that I have uh, serious political disagreements over the big current big issue of whether we should shoot ourselves in the foot by leaving the European Union like a bunch of uh, petty-minded little Englanders with a friend of mine who holds precisely the opposite opinion. Mm. And and this caused me some some personal shock and a little bit of interpersonal um, tension, which is, I think, been healed by now. But uh, uh, but you can't assume that everybody's going to be as wise and enlightened as say I am. It's also very easy to be heavy-handed. Uh, it, it can work for comedy. Um, I was in a game in in the um, late nineties. It was it was a one-shot session in in, in which a, and a significant background figure was Lord Protector Tony Blair. <laughs> um, but you know, there's, there's that, the parodic thing is is always a possibility. Yeah, um, alternate I, universes are are a great way to to take the mick out of current political um, uh, personalities. Well, I, th- I think this is the thing. Science fiction has always done this sort of thing: I, t- I t- gonna... take a, a present situation and, and project it in some way. Well, I was going to bring up the alteration by Kingsley Amos, which has Harold Wilson as Pope. Mm. Yeah, but the. Uh, but the, that sort of thing tire, tires easily. I have um, 
All right, I have mentioned this before. I once I once cast George W. Bush as the Antichrist in a, in one of in one of my in one in a superhero universe in one of the games I was I was running, and I feel slightly ashamed of that. Looking <laughs> back at it, in spite of the whole Crowley thing. Yeah, all right. No, I don't believe that. No, it's extremely <laughs> unlikely to go on. Anyway, leaving aside. Yeah, and I I was thinking more in terms of ta- taking a political idea. Um, oh. Again. One wants to be we- one wants to be very wary of straying into message fiction because message oh. fiction is bad enough when it's linear prose. It's, it's terrible when it's a role playing game. Well, quite. But how are you going? All right. What is the stuff in current politics that you can grind up and use as fodder for our fighting elf games? File off the serial numbers to a depth of a, of a couple of inches. Things like. Um, does the small country on the edge of places want to be part of the big empire anymore? Um, It's paying an awful lot of tribute to the big empire, or at least it thinks it is. Mm. What what does it get out of that? All right. Um, And that could not not only be a political thing, because lots of people are going to have their own private or faction reasons for being in or out, depending on the exact setup. Yeah. Uh, But then you you can look at the overall question as well, and, okay, is, is there actually an invasion coming? Does anybody have any reason to think there's an invasion coming? Is it going to hit the small country, in mm. which case they could really use the help, or is it going to hit the rest of the empire, in which case they can they can pull up their drawbridge, and um, mm. say, well, we don't we don't want to even pay for the taxes to fight this invasion. Never mind, actually fight it. Um, that that's the sort of thing that I would be looking at, not not using explicit current anything. Yeah, but I can see that I can see the parallels there, and so could any halfway intelli- intelligent uh, set of, set of players. The the thing is, I think not to drive it from those parallels, not not to have, most crucially for the GM, not to have a this is the right answer in mind. Yeah, um... it, it's more it's more about exploring. Okay, given this setup, which is not an exact match to the real world setup, mm. because apart from anything else, it's always going to be a bit cleaner. True and better, e- easier to understand because somebody has to understand it to make it happen. Um, but yeah, but the thing is, it's modelling. You're setting up the model in the first place, and despite and there's going to be some some subconscious bias in there. Certainly, yeah. I don't know. the The thing I'm wary about is I'm most wary about is di- directly bringing um, contentious modern issues into games, but it's going to happen. Uh, my, I've done this a couple of times in the past because I had to have an answer. And um, I've done it in the current uh, Magic game. I can tell you in my universes precisely when the soul enter, enters uh, 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 an unborn child. <laughs> it's measurable by magic. Mm-hmm. And you can say, ah, oh, yeah, right, ah, oh, yeah, right there. It's forming just, right, okay, now it's a person. Or at least now it's got a soul. Whether it's a, mm-hmm. the definitions get get complicated, I have to put that in because it's a logical thing you could find out with the tools that you are given. Yeah. But I could offend so many people just by being consistent and logical. It seems to me that pe- people who are that I know there are people who are not prepared to to say that even in this fictional world there are things that are different from. Yeah, what they understand of the real world. I don't think those people are playing role-playing games, frankly. Mm. Or if they do, they're, they're playing the commies have invaded and we're, and we're fighting over the last tin of baked beans. Yeah, the the problem is I don't know. My problem is another problem is that I may bring in my obsessions, my own oh, interests. We all do that. Oh, yeah, to the what's the point of even. Uh, of exhausting my players' uh, patience. I have one player who's a, a, a declared a- atheist who gets a bit peeved by my constant using of uh, of uh, of religious re- religious themes, and really couldn't care less about uh, about whether my fantasy universe allows a fem- a female uh, Christian clerics as long as he gets to grot people. Mm. Uh, and I have to. I have to be very careful not to push past his pe- the level of his patience, because those are themes that I do tend to religious themes I do tend to bring in, because it's so much simpler in my games than it is in real life. Well, ha- having um, demonstrable gods, I, I would think would, to be honest, I suspect would would invert religions to such an extent that they would not be recognisable anymore. 
Hmm. Well, I'm sure that but I'm sure there are atheists in my versions of uh, because you know the gods don't appear to everybody, and uh, other explanations are so much more reasonable. Mm-hmm. All right, but I think all right. You've got parallels. You've got yeah. I'm not sure that this is a good idea. I think it's know your players. Know your players. It, it, it's uh, if. You, I have read about people who have written games set in the universe of Ayn Rand's uh, Atlas Shrugged, set after the end of the the novel, as the as the great uh, capitalist geniuses come out of their hidey holes and build things up and re-establish civilization. And I, I that would probably burst my suspension of disbelief and my level of tolerance. Just listen. Mm-hmm. I know it, it. It gets up my nose just listening to the, uh, to the out outline of it. The the, the the amount I would have to swallow. Look, it, it's worth worse than Cthulhu. My my mind explodes at taking that sort of thing seriously. Mm, I think again that that would be something. It's going to be in the campaign premise. Mm. Well, um, I've, I've I've enjoyed post-apocalyptic games before. I don't think I'd enjoy that one. Um, but I, th- I think it, one, one would hope it would be fairly clear going in because this is clearly something that Jeremy is enthusiastic about. Yeah, they're going to want to share that enthusiasm with with their, with their players. Uh, and uh, and uh, I'm not. Yeah, the the rule is no no gaming is better than bad gaming, but sometimes you do stick with a GM because you've had fun in the past, and mm. maybe this will be all right because they have have skills but the thing is the message you send isn't always the message people hear i uh stephen brust is a man of left-wing and and revolutionary tendencies and sympathies but when i read his narratives of um of revolution in his uh setting I sympathise with the character of Vlad the Assassin who says these people are idiots and do not know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these people are, are idiots trying to recreate um, a left-wing uh, industrial revolution in a universe which won't it won't fit to. But there are, I'm sure there are players out there... I'm sure that uh, revolutions happen and sometimes that they're good things. It's just a very difficult thing to do. I'm not sure. I I don't have the the revolutionary fire in my heart in my heart, but I'm sure that I could write a campaign about overthrowing the uh, the, the corrupt system, and I'm and I could I could make it believable. I think I'm not sure oh, I could sell top, it to all my players. Off the top of my head, the, I suspect the major theme in that for me would be not just overthrowing the corrupt system, but making sure that the new system doesn't immediately become even more corrupt. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, that is the pro- problem. And the, th- the thing is, the number of um, historical models on which you can be- base... Yeah, uh, it would be somewhat potentially somewhat utopian. Yeah. Um, and th- there are a number of um, a number of authors, m- many of them of a right-wing persuasion, who, t- who seem to take the view that politics is a, is a problem. Yeah. And if you could just get one guy who is completely trustworthy in charge of everything, then that would be fine. Yeah. And, well, maybe, but it's quite hard to find one guy who's completely trustworthy. And how do you find the next guy who's completely trustworthy? The, well, the, 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 the right-wing fantasies in the, in the United States at the moment seem to focus on the inevitable collapse of everything. It doesn't seem to focus uh, on, we have gone too far, this is it, um, the, the nation is bankrupt um, and corrupt and everything is going to collapse. They look forward to this with a certain drooling satisfaction. To these people I refer to the, the prophet Hosea who said roughly, those people who look forward to the day of the Lord, they're crazy. But they don't seem to want to go for solutions, the boring solutions like we must get the budget passed, we must reform this, we must do that. If you're one, if you're one guy who doesn't have any pol- particular political influence mm. you can't do that yeah 
And some, somebody was saying, saying to me recently that um, the, the death of Justice Scalia is, is an example of why we need news reporting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, actual newspapers that report news rather than just repeating somebody else's press releases and so on. True. But, well, you know, e- even if I'm an American, what, what influence do I have on that? Uh, you can write to the newspapers. You can make a fuss. You can form a wave of opinion. You can write to your congressman or, and or senator. Actually, you can write to your senator as and say, don't be a pair of blithering idiots. Get this done. Assuming that's what you want. I mean, if you want to say, delay, 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 yeah, write that letter. Whatever your opinion may be. That is a very tiny thing to do as, as your personal action. It's Compare with, there is a mushroom cloud on the horizon and I am the guy who has all the baked beans and all the guns. Yeah. That's a big thing. That makes me feel good. Yeah, true. I've protected my family. Until the baked beans and the, and the ammo runs out. Probably the ammo will run out first. <laughs> but it, it, it's that sort of fantasy of let's get rid of the politics and cut through things that, that I think um, if, if you have players who feel this way, they may well be very nice people. Um, I've been one of those people myself, though I'm not so much now. But political games are probably not for them. Yeah. Well, that's true. But but, uh, but there is good news coming in, there in, in, the, in the shape of, uh, of more po- post-apocalyptic material. We'll probably talk about that another time. Mm, can go back and look at that. Anyway. Okay. That was Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. Uh, with me, Michael Kuehl, and Hi. him, Roger Bell West. Please send us details of your uh, pointless uh, utopian schemes for reforming um, uh, the universe or your list of material that you would like us to buy uh, for the post-apocalyptic disaster to podcast at tekeli.ly or comment on the website. And we hope to see you again, assuming the apocalypse hasn't come in another month. (laughs) 